Our scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. It says this, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And as he rose and followed him, and he rose and followed him, and as he reclined at table in his house, Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Who would you, not under any circumstances, be caught dead sharing a meal with? Maybe you're thinking of a specific person. Maybe you're thinking of a specific type of person, but uh, perhaps they're a real jerk, or they're a criminal, or a thief, or a liar, or a bully. But, but were we to see them on the street, we would think, going to go to the other side of the street, going to avoid them at all costs, not even look at them. These are people that we would say, well, they're, they're the bad people. They're the people who are far from God. Let's keep them at arm's length. And while we might pass by someone without a thought, would Jesus? Jesus has this way of upsetting the way things are. He has a way that disrupts our value system and the value system of our culture to show us the value system of the kingdom of God. And so in our passage this morning, Jesus is beside the sea. He's teaching those who have come to him about the kingdom of God. And as he walks along, he sees a man named Levi, who we also learn went by the name Matthew. Now, Levi is a tax collector, essentially the scum of the earth. Tax collectors often collected more than they were supposed to from people, Uh, David E. Garland, a New Testament scholar, says that they were renowned for dishonesty and extortion, and we think the IRS is bad. Fellow Jews who became tax collectors were seen as traitors to their people. Not only were they working for Rome, the government that was oppressing Israel, but they were defrauding their own people of money, money they needed to live on. And so tax collectors are people you do not associate with. Except Jesus does. Jesus sees Levi and he speaks to him just two words that will change his life forever. Words that no Jewish teacher in his right mind would say to a dirty, unclean tax collector. Follow me. Jesus invites Levi to become his disciple. That's what Jesus means when he says, follow me. He calls this dirty, rotten, traitorous sinner to follow him. 
And this is perhaps shocking to Jesus' disciples whom he's already called. Some of them may have lost money to a tax collector like Levi. And yet, Levi's response to Jesus is immediate. He gets up and he follows Jesus. He leaves his former life behind. The despised becomes the disciple. Jesus cares about those far from God. Even those we would not want to care about, Jesus cares about them, and he calls them to follow him. Now, of course, if you think that was outrageous, next Jesus goes and dines with a whole group of tax collectors and sinners who are following him. Now, we don't know who these other sinners are or what they had done, but clearly it wasn't good. And so Jesus is eating with people that you, you just don't share a meal with normally at the tax collector's house. Today, it might be like having dinner with the known embezzler, the sleazy car salesman, the swindler, the trio of bank robbers, and the staff of the local brothel. And so the Pharisees then voice what many of us might have been thinking had we been there. Don't you know what they've done? Why would anyone claiming to be a rabbi, a holy man, eat with these deplorable people? They're far from God. They've sinned against him. They're unclean. They're unworthy. Won't eating with them stain Jesus and make him unclean? No, actually not. Well, won't, doesn't that mean that Jesus is agreeing with the way they live? No, actually it doesn't. It means that Jesus has come to invite them into the kingdom of God where they can be made clean. It means that God is having mercy as he invites even the worst of sinners to the table. Jesus will not be stained by them, but they will be transformed by him, as we all have been. And so Jesus' answer to the Pharisees is simple but profound. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Just imagine a doctor that only treated healthy people. I'm sorry, you have a cold, you can't come to my office. You have to be healthy to come to my office. We would think that would be completely ridiculous. And so Jesus is saying that just like healthy people don't need a doctor, it's not logical for him to call the righteous. They're well and good with God. They're fine and dandy. Of course, we learn through the scriptures that really no one is righteous, not even the Pharisees who think they are. But it's only logical for Jesus, like a doctor, to go to those who are sick to those who are sinners in need of healing and forgiveness of their sins, who need to be brought near to God again. Why, wouldn't he, why would he eat with anyone else when these are exactly the people who need him? You see, Jesus has compassion on sinners and calls them to repentance. Now, lest you think that I'm using sinner as a word to identify a particular group of bad people, I'm not. I'm actually using it to refer to literally everybody, including all of us. 
Pharisee and tax collector, pastor and drug dealer, charity worker and thief, we're all sinners. Romans 3, to 24 says, There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus calls us to turn toward God and wrap our lives around his kingdom and his ways. And so Jesus isn't at this party just to, to sit and tell the, the, um, the, the people there, hey, you know what, whatever you're doing, no big deal. God doesn't care, just keep doing it. You know, he's not, he's not sitting there saying, steal, swindle, sleep with whoever you like, you know, you do you. No, he's, he's there to call them to repentance. You know, the, the things that, that they've been doing dishonor God, but God is extending his compassion and mercy, something the Pharisees are not doing. In Luke's version of this story, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And that's the extra detail that Luke gives us. Jesus is calling people to repent so that we would turn to him and away from our sin and be brought near to God. So that their sins would be forgiven and that they would be given a brand new life where their lives are radically reoriented around Jesus, around his ways, around his commands and leading. God loves us, and he meets us right where we are. But he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Jesus cares about those far from God, and he calls them to follow him. Now, the Pharisees, they will not acknowledge that they are just as in need of Jesus and just as in need of God's forgiveness as the sinners and tax collectors over there. But Levi and his friends, I think they saw their need for Jesus. They understood that they needed him. Let us as Christians always remember that none of us have deserved what we've been given by God. We did not earn our salvation or God's grace. We were sinking in quicksand, so to speak, until Jesus, through no effort of our own, pulled us out and rescued us. None of us deserve the grace and salvation we've been given. And so let us not act like the Pharisees. But on the flip side, sometimes we may think, man, Jesus would not love me. He would not want me. You don't know all of the terrible stuff I've done. We might think, I've done so much wrong. I've messed up so many times that God is probably completely sick of me. I'm too dirty for him. But if this passage tells us anything, it tells us that if Jesus extends grace and mercy to a tax collector, he will extend the same grace and mercy and love to you. We were all on the outside of God's kingdom and have been brought near through faith in Christ. 
we can turn toward Jesus and away from our sin and find forgiveness every single day. I want to just list the names of a few very unlikely people whom Jesus saved, whom he called to follow him, and who embraced that call and became Christ followers. Certainly, Paul the Apostle, persecuting Christians, the complete polar opposite, who came to faith in Christ. In the more modern day, people like Marshall Brandon, a convicted armed robber and drug addict. Someone like Pamela Perillo, who was a murderer on death row when she met Jesus. Doreen Virtue, a top-selling New Age religion author. Thomas Terrance, a violent Klansman. Now, we might have looked at them and thought, there's no way. They are too far gone. And yet Jesus didn't. He called them to follow him. And they were changed. They were transformed. They trusted in him, and he changed their lives. Because no one is too far gone to come to Christ and be forgiven. And that truth has to affect how we view the people around us as well. Because Jesus has compassion even on those we wouldn't, and he calls them to repentance. Imagine Jesus walks into the Golden Nugget on a Saturday night. You expect that he's going to go sit down at table three with that men's Bible study. And he waves, he says hi, but he walks on. So you think, perhaps he'll sit with the pastors having a meeting at table seven. And he greets them, but he keeps moving on. Okay, then he's probably going to sit with that that great group of well-behaved teenagers at table nine. And again, he says hello, but he passes them by. Now there's that other table, but everyone goes out of their way to avoid those people. There's Jesse, the notorious school bully. There's also Melanie, who got arrested for shoplifting at seven different stores. Lisa is also sitting there, whose lifestyle is clearly contrary to God's ways in so many different ways. And then there's Steve, who's usually high on something if he's not robbing someone's house. And to your shock, Jesus sits down at their table. How would you feel about that? How would we feel about that? Let us not forget that we need Jesus just as desperately as the drug dealer down the road. I don't know if there's a drug dealer down the road. It's a metaphor. Regardless, without affirming their sin, Jesus sits down and eats with those who are far from God, who have violated his ways. But in doing so, he calls them to turn to him. He shows them God's great mercy and compassion. Will we follow his lead? Timothy G. Gombus writes, Jesus doesn't stop at merely desiring for sinners to repent. He goes to them. He walks among them. He calls them sits and eats with them. If God's people are not among sinners, the question must be faced, why does Jesus eat with sinners and tax collectors, but his disciples do not? 
Friends, we are not meant to live in our little Christian bubble. We're meant to reach beyond, to show the love of Christ. When I was growing up, I was able to witness my parents uh, living out following Jesus' lead in this way, and in a very extraordinary way. Um, they went where most people would not want to go, prison. Now, they were not arrested. They were in a prison ministry. And they would go every Thursday to the juvenile detention center in our county. And they would invite the teenage inmates to a Bible study, to a time of discussion, and they would share the gospel with them. And yes, at least once, they did Bible study with a murderer. Because that's how far God's grace can reach. They had compassion on them when most of us wouldn't. Because Jesus would. The gospel transforms our view of ourselves, but it also transforms our view of others. And so let's follow Jesus' lead and proclaim the gospel. We're, we're meant to proclaim the gospel to whoever, all those around us. Jesus goes to the people we wouldn't go to. He calls the people we wouldn't expect. Let's get on board with the ways of his kingdom. And let's make sure that we don't hold back when it comes to people that we might think are too far gone or too weird or dirty or whatever. This can look like extending genuine hospitality. And this goes for everybody. Whether it's being kind to the neighbor who's kind to you, or whether it's being kind to the neighbor who's a real crab. It's being welcoming and willing to help. It's checking up on your neighbors, inviting people to share meals, including those that others might not invite. It looks like seeing everyone as made in the image and likeness of God because they are. Regardless of who people are or what they've done, we're called to extend kindness, compassion, and respect. And as we show God's love in those ways, we open the door to be able to share with them what God has done in our lives. We're able to share our story of how God has changed our lives so that they may see that he can change their life as well. And so take, let's take advantage of the opportunities that God places in our path, because he does. But we got to keep looking out for them and watching for them. And as we tell others about Christ, as we share the gospel, we're not doing it as some sort of like super Christian, looking down on those poor, pitiable people being like, let me tell you about Jesus, because I am way better than you. No, whenever we share the gospel... It's more like one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. This is what I found. Let me help you find it too, because it's changed my life. Let us pray. Lord, you are amazing. You go to people that we wouldn't think to go to, but we thank you because really, that includes us as well. We thank you for your mercy and salvation that you have extended to us. And we pray that you would help us to extend and show your grace and your love 
and your gospel to those around us. Give us opportunities. Empower us by your Holy Spirit so that more people we know how great and marvelous is your great love and goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.